0: Lord, we pray now that your Holy Spirit would speak to us what you want us to hear. Lord, get me out of the way. I pray that you would just get my voice out of the way. Just let us hear you. Um, let your word be in, in empowered and inspired and um, insightful from your heart to our souls. We know that in a moment you can transform. So do what you want to do. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Pull the outline that's in your bulletin. You will need a Bible as well. Does anybody need a Bible? We've got some in the back. Pete will deliver to your seat. Anybody? We've been talking for a number of weeks about walking in step with the Spirit. What it means to to look, and we've talked about knees and nudges. There's a lot of different ways to say it. it. It all means just living in step with the Spirit. Living every moment in alignment with Him, in intimacy with Him. And a couple of weeks ago, I had this scripture, Luke chapter 9, verse 23. In the message, and I talked about following, what it means to follow. But ever since, I, it, I just have sensed that the Holy Spirit keeps bringing me back to this scripture, bringing me back to this concept, bringing me back to this as a part of the emphasis of what we need to be doing. Luke chapter 9, verse 23, Jesus said to, to all, not just to his 12, but to all, if anyone would come after me, anyone, Not just leaders, not just pastors, not just missionaries, but anyone who wants to be a Christ follower. Let him deny himself, take up his cross daily, and follow him. Follow me, he says. Let him deny himself, take up his cross daily, and follow me. We hear those words, and if we've been in the church for any length of time, we've probably heard that taught deny yourself. We have to deny ourselves. We have to take up our cross daily, follow him. But as I was thinking and praying about the script this week, what kept coming to mind was we know so little about what it really means to deny ourselves. And we know so little about what it really means to take up our cross. That is our sacrificial service. The cross represents for Jesus. His service sacrificial service and obedience to the father and then walk after Jesus. We know so little about that. And my hope and my prayer is between now and Easter that we will walk through scriptures that will help us to understand a little bit more and implement a little bit more and put into practice a little bit more what it really means to follow Jesus and so I've been, yeah, I've been uh, looking in the Bible and I've done some searching about follow and about repentance is another way of saying, turn around and follow me. A lot of different ways that Jesus says it. So over the next few weeks, we're going to be looking at practical ways to actually follow Jesus. But before we get there, we need to have a handle on what it really means when Jesus invites us to follow. That's the first step in all of this. So let's talk about it. Trying to get a handle on Jesus' invitation to follow. Number one, this invitation to follow is the invitation. It's not part of what Jesus wants us to do. It is what Jesus wants us to do. It is one of only two options that every person who has ever lived has. The first option is that Jesus says, come follow me. Come with me. Deny yourself which is saying no to yourself in order to say yes to him. You have to put aside your own agenda and everything that goes with it in order to follow him. That's denial. Take up your cross. Be willing to sacrificially walk in step with him. And then everything about our lives is in walking with him, walking in step with him. That's the invitation. That's what Jesus calls us to do. The only other option is to say, no, I'm going to do what I want to do. There are no other options. And so when Jesus calls out to them, there's not, okay, this is for pastors and missionaries and evangelists, and then everybody else, you can, you can follow me, you can be Christians, but um, it won't cost you so much. You know, it won't, you know, it, it, you can just kind of do the, uh, you know, 50% of the religious stuff, and you can come on Sunday, and you can, you know, you can sing the songs and do all this, but isn't that what we see in our culture? As if there's a third option, and the third option is mediocrity. we 'll just go through the motion, we'll just do this, we'll just let Jesus have a, 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 you know, we'll let him have a compartment in our lives, but then we 'll live the rest of our lives the way that we want to. There's only two options. And so when Jesus is calling, he's saying it to everyone, if anyone, he's saying it to them all, everybody that was in earshot of Jesus, he's saying it to them all. If anyone wants to fight. Here is the invitation. This is the only one you get. There's no second tier. There's no nosebleed section in the kingdom of God. It's this. And so it's the invitation. It was the invitation in the Old Testament. If you and and so I got to um thinking about this and I, I everything in the Old Testament it was really the same invitation, wasn't it? Amen. And so when When God comes in the Garden of Eden, it was walk with me, live with me, deliver with me. And then they turn away. They they chose to do their own agenda. They turned away. That's the other option. And then from that point on, all through the Old Testament, it was God saying, follow me, come to me, follow me, follow me. In fact, when he delivers them from uh, Egypt, he says, follow me. And what did he do? A cloud or a pillar of fire. Just follow. Just follow. And when I stop, stop. When I go, go. Follow me. I put a scripture from Leviticus, which is not the most popular book in the Old Testament. Because <laughs> it's basically gonna be a, a lot of rules, a lot of regulations. There's a lot of neat there. There's a lot of good stuff there. But most people don't have their favorite verse from Leviticus. Leviticus 18, verse 4 or 5. Here's what what he says. Here's what it means to be my people. You shall follow my rules. There's that word. Follow my rules and keep my statutes and then walk in them. In other words, come to me, understand what I want you to do, and then follow me. I am the Lord your God. You shall therefore keep my statutes and my rules if a person does them, he shall live by them. It's a lifestyle. It's not here and there, hit and miss. It's not just religious stuff. He says, because I am the Lord. And so the whole Old Testament, it was an invitation, follow me. You go up to the Gospels and we find Jesus. From the beginning, from the very beginning, this was Jesus' invitation. Follow me. Follow me. Not just for the twelve but for the crowds not just for the pastors but for everybody it 's the only option you have if you want to follow jesus it's all or nothing there's no middle ground now I want you to I, you're looking at me like well of course herb yeah yeah, yeah, yeah right, right yada 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 but I 'm telling you we have been we have been um, lured in and inculturated in in a, an American Christianity that says you can have your cake and eat it too. That you can have Jesus and do the Jesus thing on Sunday, or, you know, and even, maybe even have, give him some time reading your Bible. But then uh, I can make my own choices. No, you, you don't, there's not, that's not that option. There is not that option. When you sign up, it's as if you're signing a military contract. <laughs> it's, you know I hear these stories. Um, I was never in the military, but I, I love history and I love military history, and and sometimes you hear about these stories about people, especially young men, who sign up for the military and then they go in and they have got this long hair, and and I heard this I was listening to somebody I heard the story. He said um, when he went into the military barber he said uh, could you leave mine a little bit longer. And the barber goes, oh, sure. (laughs) And then he goes, no hair. And he looks in the mirror and goes, and and the guy just smiled at him. Because it's not an option. When you sign up, you're signing up to follow. You're signing up to obey. You're signing up to go through the train. You're signing up and you don't get a choice anymore. When you sign up for Jesus, it's the same thing. He's God. The last verses in, in, in Leviticus, I am the Lord. And if he's Lord, then we don't get to pick and choose what rules we follow. And so from the beginning, it's been all about Jesus. So again, Luke 9, 23. If anyone would come after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross daily, and follow me. So let's look at how Jesus gathered his disciples and what he said to them and what we can pull from those experiences. I want you to put yourself in their place. Because Jesus says the same thing to us as he says to them. Luke chapter 5, beginning with verse 1. Open your Bible there. Luke chapter 5, beginning with verse 1. Luke chapter 5, beginning with verse 1. On one occasion, while the crowd was pressing in on him to hear the word of God, he He was standing by the lake of Gennesaret, and he saw two boats by the lake, but the fishermen had gone out of them and were washing their nets, because they would fish at night when the fish would, the water would be cooler, they'd come to the surface, and the, the fish would come to the surface. Getting into one of the boats, which was Simon's, he asked him to put out a little from the land, and he sat down and he taught the people from the boat. And when he had finished speaking, he said to Simon, put it up into the deep and let down your nets for a catch. Now, Jesus' occupation before he went on his ministry was what? Carpenter. Carpenter. Peter's vocation was fisherman. How much do carpenters know about fishing? Not a whole lot. Well, it's certainly not as much as Peter, who had grown up in the family business. It was probably in, maybe in his 30s at that point. He knew a lot about fishing. And now here's this preacher who comes along and says, Peter, let me tell you how to fish. And Simon answered, Master, we toiled all night and took nothing. And, and it's at this point in this, this conversation, I always wonder, I, I wish we had pictures with facial expressions. Because here's Jesus telling Peter, but put out a little ways and, and put out your nets and let's let's go get a catch. And, and because Peter, I think, is on his way. You know, Peter is spontaneous, you know, sticks his foot in the mouth sticks his foot in his mouth all the time. And he and he's talking and he's talking and he and so he says, Master, we toiled all night and took nothing. And I I just get this hunch that he's about to go into this diatribe about all the reasons why he shouldn't do what he's being told to do. But then he sees Jesus' face. And whatever that look is, <laughs> causes him to kind of, and he says, okay, but at your word I will let down the nets. Now, here, here's a, boy, we got a lot to cover and stuff coming to my mind. Obedience, it, it doesn't, it's okay to hesitate. It's okay to not Immediately be excited about what God wants to tell you to do. It, it's okay if you're, if you're kind of struggling and you start going down that path. But as soon as you realize, okay, gee, God really wants me to do this, you make the turn and you come back. It's just it's obeying. It's just getting to the point of obeying. And so he goes, okay, put at your word. Now, do you think Peter thinks anything good is going to come? Probably not. I mean, he's been around you. This is not the first time he's ever met Jesus. He's been around Jesus. He's heard about him. He's probably watched him. He's probably listened. Um, and so he's been around. It's not the first time. So, so he has this respect for Jesus, but uh, you know, uh, you know, his gut reaction is, uh, we've already tried that all night. This isn't going to work out well. But Jesus meets us where we are. He doesn't criticize Peter. He just goes, He obeyed. He just obeys. So, when they had done this, they enclosed a large number of fish and their nets were breaking. They signaled to their partners in the other boat to come and help them. And they came and filled both the boats. Now, remember, they caught nothing all night. They caught nothing when they were supposed to be fishing. They caught nothing when they had experience of when they, they usually catch things. They caught nothing. But now when you shouldn't catch anything in the middle of the day, both boats are over, overwhelmed. So that they began to sink. That's a lot of fish. But when Simon Peter saw it, he fell down at Jesus' knees saying, Depart from me, for I'm a sinful man, O Lord. Now, it wasn't about the fish. It was about Jesus revealing to all these fishermen who he really was. And I love it because when Jesus says, follow me, it's okay to struggle with it. As long as you keep your eyes on him. As long as you take the next step. So Peter said, I don't, uh, why are we going? Okay, I'll obey. He just took the next step, not really believing anything great was going to happen, but it did. And when it did, Jesus revealed himself. So you might be struggling with something in your spiritual life. With, in, Jesus may be telling you to follow him in some way, to give up something, to change something, to do something different, to sacrifice in some way. And you're struggling with it. It's okay to struggle as long as you keep your eyes on him. Because he will take you down the path of understanding to the place where you're able to say, "Okay, he's God, and I'll obey." So he was overwhelmed not by the not by the catch of fish, but by the that there was undeniable power of who Jesus was. Amen. Depart from me, for I am a sinful man, O Lord. For he and all who were with him were astonished at the catch of fish that they had taken. And so also were James and John, sons of Zebedee, who were partners with Simon. And Jesus said to Simon, do not be afraid. From now on, you will be catching men. Peter, right response is to recognize your sinfulness, but not to stay in your sinfulness. Jesus says, now that you've admitted it, okay. We're going to work on that. I mean, <laughs> I think if Peter had only known all that he was going to do, he, he would know that Jesus was going to work on that. The choice was clearly for Peter between rejecting the God of the universe or following him. And that's what Jesus was doing. Do not be afraid. From now on, you will be catching men. And when they had brought their boats to the land, they left everything. And what? Followed him. Followed him. Peter, in a very real way, had to deny himself. He was a fisherman by trade, and, and by all indications, pretty well off. I mean he had he had partners and he had and and he's he has to deny himself. I'm not gonna stay with the fishing business, I'm gonna follow Jesus. I'm going to sacrifice. Take up my cross and follow him. Flip Uh, Or look down to Luke chapter 5, verse 27. Jesus goes along and there's some stuff that happens in between these two instances. But in verse 27 it says, After this, he, Jesus, went out and saw a tax collector named Levi, who would be named what? Matthew. Matthew, Sitting at a tax booth. And he said to him, him, Follow me. And leaving everything, he rose and followed him. Jesus says, if anyone is going to come after me, he has to deny himself, take up his cross daily, and follow me. It wasn't the first time Matthew had heard about Jesus. But this time Jesus invited him, follow me, come with me. Flip over in your Bible to John chapter 1. John chapter 1, beginning with verse 43. Gospel of John, chapter 1, beginning with the verse 43. So the next day, Jesus decided to go to Galilee, and he found Philip and said to him, what? Follow me. He's gathering disciples. And it's interesting because it, we don't get all the stories of all the people, of the, you know, all the 12, but we get snippets that have lessons for us. And so here, here's another one, Philip. Now, Philip was from Bethsaida, the city of Andrew and Peter. Philip found Nathanael and said to him, We have found him of whom Moses in the law and also the prophets wrote, Jesus of Nazareth, the son of Joseph. We found the Messiah. We found the Savior. We found the Lord. We found him. Jesus of Nazareth, son of Joseph. Now, Nathanael was very learned, very Uh, religious, very strong Jewish person, and so he knew some of the prophecies. And Nathaniel's response, can anything good come out of Nazareth? Philip, you're off base. Messiah doesn't come from Nazareth, what are you talking about? Philip said to him, just come and see. Which, by the way, is an incredible approach to evangelism people who don't know Jesus, people who you're working with, don't try to argue them into knowing God. Just invite them to come. Come and see. Jesus saw Nathanael coming toward him and said, (laughs) I love this, and said to him, Behold, an Israelite indeed in whom there is no deceit. Nathanael said to him, How do you know me? Jesus answered him, Before Philip called you, when you were under the fig tree, I saw you. Now that will we'll, we'll rattle your cage, right? Wait a minute. Je- so Jesus is saying, before Philip got to invite you, I saw you sitting under a fig tree. Now, why would Jesus do that? Because for the same reason of the great catch of fish, God will do anything he can to convince us that he is Lord of all so that we will follow him. That's how much he loves us. And so he's doing what Nathaniel needs and that is to have, have some kind of supernatural uh, understanding of who Jesus is. Nathanael answered, Rabbi, you are the Son of God. You are the King of Israel. Jesus answered him, because I said to you, I saw you under the fig tree. Do you believe? You will see greater things than these. And he said to him, truly, truly, I say to you, you will see heaven open and the angels of God ascending and descending on the Son of Man. Peter, Andrew, James, and John at the boat, Jesus says, follow me. Deny yourself, take up your cross daily, follow me. Then he comes to um, Matthew, follow me. Comes to Nathaniel, follow me. Philip, follow me. And he comes to each one of us and he says, follow me, just follow me. Everyone with different personalities, different things. He brings us to the place where we have to make a choice. Is he almighty God or am I just playing games? Because if he's almighty God, if he really is Lord of all, if he really is the king of kings and Lord of lords, if he's really the the savior of the world, if he's really the one who is coming back again to reestablish his kingdom, if he's really that one, then nothing is too much to ask of us. Nothing. Nothing. And so when he says, deny yourself, no matter what that means, it's worth it. So during these, these weeks leading up to Easter, we're going to be looking at these scriptures to see how do we turn to him? Because repent is another way of saying it. Repent is, so here's Peter, Andrew, James, John, Matthew, Philip, Nathaniel. They're, 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 they're religious, you know, but they're following their own agenda. But when Jesus says, come follow me, it means they do 180 degree, repent. Repent is a 180 degree, turn from their own agenda to follow Jesus. And that's his call to us as well. And I want to challenge you during this season to ask God, is there any place in my life where I'm not fully following you? Is there any little place, any small place, anything? Because it, if, if the enemy still has a foothold, he will keep us from experiencing all that God has for us. And God wants us to have him. Number two, follow me is about mission. And we'll talk a lot more about this in the weeks ahead. It's about mission. And so as I've mulled over this scripture, he said to all in Luke 9.23, if anyone would come after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross daily and follow me. And, I've said, and so I've been mulling this over. And so what was Jesus saying? He's saying to them and to us, follow me to join my mission, to join my purpose. It's not just about having a party with Jesus. It's not just about having a relationship with Jesus. Jesus said, and where was he? So when he says, follow me, it means Jesus is going somewhere. And that somewhere was the cross. And he says, I want you to follow me all the way to the end. And so he he wants us to be on mission. It's about doing what he was doing. It's why um, not long before he left to go back to the right hand of the Father, he gives us the great commission. Go into all the world and make disciples. That's his mission. That's why we're here. It And so I put a note in there. It is relational, but it's with a greater purpose. It's not just about the relationship. So if you sign up to join the military, and you get your hair buzzed, and then you go to boot camp, your purpose is not to make friends with the drill sergeant. Right? No, the drill sergeant is there to train you, to equip you, to mold you, to make you into a person who can be on the mission of the, the unit that you're a part of. Now, he will be the person who is most proud of you at the end of boot camp if you respond and you become that soldier, as will Jesus. But it's not about the relationship. It is relational, but it's not just for the relationship. It's for Jesus' mission. We'll, we'll follow up in the weeks ahead. Number three, follow me then is about Training. It's about training. And we'll go deeper and deeper into this. But here's, so here's where we need to do a mental switch. For when Jesus says to Peter and Andrew and James and John and Philip and Nathaniel and Matthew and all the rest, when he says, follow me, he, what he's describing is a rabbi model. A rabbi model. Luke chapter 640 says, disciple disciples not above his teacher. But everyone, when he is fully trained, will be like his teacher. We and in our in our thinking, in our in our Western model, in our Greek model of learning, we think of teacher rather than rabbi. In the Middle Eastern, it's about being with the rabbi. It's about being with the trainer in order to become like the trainer. So the first bullet point there is to be with Jesus. It's about being with him. And he, so he invites them. And, and so for the next two and a half years or so, these disciples are going to be with Jesus. They're going to go where he goes. They're going to experience what he experienced. They're going to eat when he eats. They're going to walk when he walks. They're going to be with him. They're going to hear him as he um, goes toe to toe with the Pharisees and ha- as he corrects them. He's going to watch as he heals, as he raises the dead, as he does all these things. Because it's about being with the rabbi. It's about being with him. It's listening. It's paying attention. It's participating. And they develop this relationship with him as Almighty Lord. And along the way, he says, watch what I'm doing. Because when I'm gone, you're going to be doing the same thing. It's about being with the teacher. We have to make that shift because when we think of becoming disciples, we think of learning intellectually. I need and, and there is that element. We need to memorize scripture. We need to put it in our mind, put it in our hearts. But it's about becoming more than than it is about this intellectual pursuit. Long, long time ago in a galaxy far, far away, <laughs> my wife turned forty. And she made it absolutely clear to me. She's on multiple occasions. I don't remember if she put her finger in my face, but symbolically she did. I do not want a party. Do not throw me a party. And then she looked at me again. She said, "Are you listening to me?" Because what she knows is I love a party, and we tend to do for other people, what we like, right? So she had thrown me a party, and uh, 18 months later, she's turning 40, and she says, don't on it. I'm telling you, do not, if you want to live, if you want to survive, if (laughs) if you want to ever eat again, if you want to live in this house, do not throw me a party. What I want is I want to take that money and go to my sister's in Phoenix. Her birthday's in November, and I want to go to a warm climate for nine or ten days by myself. I just want to be with my sister. I want time because we had four kids at that point, um, like 16 and under. She said, I, "That's all I want." I said, "It'd be easier to throw you a party." <laughs> Because that would mean I would have to take care of four kids for 10 days. And I was just starting my master's program. And I was also pastoring a church. And I took a deep breath. I said, okay, honey, I love you. And we made it happen. So Sheila left um, early in, I think it was early in the week. And by Saturday, um, I had farmed out three out of the four for the day. (laughs) Our youngest son was at Pam's house, and the two older ones were teenagers. I don't know where they were. But I was at home alone with my 10-year-old daughter, Amber. And I thought we'd have a nice day together. So I, 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 I suggested doing things together. And, and I got, every time I turned around, I got this. <laughs> you know how girls can be, right? And, you know, t- she's 10 or 11, kind of moving towards the teenage years. So she's trying to work on her attitude. Do you, you want to do that? What do you, you want to do that? And so it's, it's about lunchtime and I'm looking and I'm going, I'm trying everything I know to do what I think you would like. And in and, and the flash, I'm telling you, the flash of the Holy Spirit revelation nudging. said she's missing her mom. She's been away from her mom all week. And she and Amber are, are like that. And, I, and so I looked at her I go, you're missing your mom, aren't you? just crying, and blubbering, and blubbering. So I went over and held her, and I said, you want to call your mom? "Yeah, I want to call my mom. So we called, and she talked with Sheila. And, and then we went to pet stores looking at rabbits and dogs. And <laughs> now what was, it, what was it that was causing her to be so out of sorts? It's because there's, there's a power and a value of being with someone that you care about. Being with someone that you love. Being with someone that you respect. And, and at, at that age, her mom's still a, most of her life. I mean, she's just, she's just wanted to be with her. Now, did you ever wonder why sometimes you're just out of sorts and you're angry or you're frustrated or you're down or you're discouraged or something's going on? Is it possible that what you need is to be with Jesus? And I would tell you, it's not just possible, it's absolute. There are times when I'm just like amber, I'm just out of sorts. you know, nothing that I like to do, I like to do, not, you know, just. To, and I can't tell you how many times then I'll come to a worship service and I'm with God and something happens, or I'll get on my knees and something happens, or I'll go to a learning community and something happens, because there are times we just need to be. With Jesus. And so to follow him means that we make it a priority to be with him. And, as a, and then as we are with him, then we become like Jesus. So in this rabbi model, it's not just about um, learning stuff, but rather it's becoming. And so there's the element of character, becoming like Jesus in character, but then also becoming like Jesus in behavior. The transformation of becoming. We pay, become like the people we're around. And the more you're around Jesus, the more you'll become like him. transformed from the inside out. Who are you becoming? Let me, let me ask you to think about this. Who are you becoming? Because you're becoming something. No, none of us stay still. You're either becoming more like Jesus or you're becoming more like something else. That's why he says, 180-degree turn, take up your cross daily and follow me. Who are you becoming? What are you becoming? What are your actions and your behavior? Could it be that some of the stuff that you're struggling with in life is because you're not being, you're not being with him, and so you're not becoming like him? And then the third element of this rabbi model is then to obey Jesus' orders. To obey Jesus' order. One of the things that we're going to see is that sometimes... Um, we, so the scriptures we looked at with the with the disciples is Jesus said, "Follow me." Other times he said to other people, "Note, I don't want you to come with me. I want you to follow my orders to do this." And he would send them out, or he would. And, um, the the man who was of, uh, the Gadarene demoniac that we talked about, a learning community you read about in uh, your scripture readings this week. He wanted to come with Jesus. Jesus says, no, I don't want you to be with me in that way. I want you to follow my orders and go tell everybody what what you've experienced. We need to obey Jesus' orders. John chapter 8, verses 31-32. So Jesus said to the Jews who had believed him, if you abide in my word, if you live in what I say, if you do what I tell you to do, if every day you're denying yourself, and you're, and you're accepting me. You're taking up your cross daily and following me. If you're abiding in my word, you are truly my disciples. And then you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. Obey my orders. Follow G- following Jesus means following what he says. I shared on my live stream a couple of weeks ago that um, in several studies, it came out that um, in a poll of Americans, in the, you know, people in the United States, 75% of them claim to be Christians. In another poll, they asked people how many t- how th- about their Bible reading habits and it, it came out over 50% claimed to read the Bible five at least five times a week. That just blows me away. And then in another in another um, study, they asked specific questions to a group of Americans about um, uh, about what they would do in this situation, or what they believed about this, and, and in order to identify their worldview, whether it was whether it aligned with the Bible or not, so instead of saying, "Do you have a biblical worldview and then seventy five percent yes, they asked specific questions to evaluate that if they answered the question in this particular way, they had a, a worldview they, they saw through the Bible, they saw an understanding. anybody want to take a Those of you who watch the live stream, you're not allowed to answer. Yeah. Anybody want to take a guess? How many actually had a a biblical worldview? 22%. What'd you say? 20% too high. A little bit low. 6%. How is it possible that people, 75% claim to be following Christ, over 50% claim to be reading the Bible five times a week, and only 6%? We'll answer questions in a way that align with Jesus. It's because they're lying to themselves. Right? And they're not telling the truth. Good intentions. We are a culture of good intentions. Why? I intend I to read my Bible five times a week. Then How come there's an inch of dust sitting on it? <laughs> because you're not telling the truth. You're talking about the intentions that you have. 6%. And I wonder if they did that poll in people who actually attended worship every week, what it would be. I don't know how much higher it would be. We have to learn to follow Jesus. And the only way to learn to follow him is to know what he says. So in the next few minutes, i want going to talk about how to follow Jesus. This follow me invitation requires intentional time with God. Intentional time With God, Again, he said to them all, if anyone would come after me, let him deny himself. How do you know what you're supposed to deny? By spending time with him and what he says. How do you know what it means to carry your cross daily? By spending time with him and knowing what he says. How do you know what it means to follow and step with him? By spending time with him and knowing what he says. Not as a duty, but as a way of being in relationship with him so that we become like him, so that we have the soul resources. So my challenge to you is a regular time with God, daily if possible, but regular for sure. And it has, so certain elements of it, I, I put there, it involves listening to the voice of God. It involves conversation with God. It involves surrender, in praising Him, it involves receiving marching orders. So what, we, what I encourage people to do is to use a devotional book. And this is the one that we've chosen. There are a few more left back there. We also provide daily scripture readings. This is uh, So it's looking into the Bible, looking into the Word of God. Now, there's no one right way to have a time with God. It could be that um, first thing, out of bed, you go, drop to your knees and you spend time surrendering and listening. It could be that you pick up, and, and I don't even do it the same way every day. It could be that you pick up, this isn't the right one, the devotional book, whether it's this one or a different one, and you go through it. So today's um, Three paragraphs long. And, and so let me give you an example of, of what it means. So because what we're trying to do is to listen to what God has to say. Talk with him about it. And that's where I talk about asking the second, third question. If You hear something for God, ask him, how do you want me to do this? Um, and, and it's about surrendering so that when he identifies something that you're supposed to be doing, denying myself says, okay, I'll, I'll set my agenda aside and I'll do it. And so the, the scripture that he, I, um, that he references is from Acts 14, 27. Um, so it says, when they arrived, they called the church together and related all that God had done with them and how he had opened a door of faith for the Gentiles. So that's, that's the scripture. And then he says, when Paul and Barnabas set out on their first missionary journey, they moved in a power that was beyond themselves. We're supposed to be listing in conversation and asking God how to apply things. So my encouragement is is to stop after that sentence and and say, God, what is it you want me to catch here? They moved in a power that was beyond themselves. Lord, I would like to have a power that's beyond myself. And so here's the conversation. Is out of this, I say, God, here's what I'd like. What do you want to say to me through this? The result was an astonishing series of events, establishing communities of believers in Christ throughout Central Asia Minor. So the result of God's power in my life was that it affected other people. Lord, how do you want me to affect other people? How, how do you want me to this day, as I go through this day, how, how, do you want, how, how can I be a better part of the community of new You see, it's not about reading this. It's not about reading the scripture. It's about having a conversation so that you hear what God, because that's, that's what happens. If we had a movie of Jesus and his disciples, that's what happened for the next two and a half years, right? Follow me. And then they come and he performs this miracle. And then as they're walking away, they're talking and and Peter goes, Jesus, what was that about? Well, let me tell you about it. I'm proving my, uh, I'm proving that I am almighty God. And then he casts out a demon. And, and Andrew says, Jesus, I've never seen anything like that. I, what, what is it? I'm showing you that I'm Lord over all unseen and seen. And they have this conversation and they talk about it as they're eating. As it's about conversation with God. And so as you go to your Bible readings, we, the, the scripture passages are designed to be short enough where you read them through once. Once. You get, kind of get the feel. And then you go back through and you read phrase by phrase. God, what is it you want to say to me? Why is this important? What do you want me to do with this? Because, and I'm telling you, the Holy Spirit wants to speak to you that way in, in way more than you realize, way more than you can imagine. Because He loves you. He cares about you. He wants to transform you. He wants you to, to experience this life of following Him. And what the devil will want to do is, is get you, okay, I read that scripture, checked it off. I read the devotional book. That's, that's my wife. She knows I'm preaching. What does this say? Leave me alone. Oh, yeah. I want to go to the 360 conference. Please sign me up. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Hi, honey. Way out in California. So with the devil, if he can't keep us from reading the Word of God, he'll try to get it to be a duty where all we're doing is checking it off. Amen. Or an intellectual exercise where we get gained information, but we're not being transformed. And so conversation, listening. And, and, and so let me challenge you to spend time with God, if, you, if you're not spending time in a regular way with God personally, that's, that's the individual appointment. But then it broadens out. That's why we're having a learning community. That's why we have Sunday morning. That's why we have Bible studies. That's why we have all these things. Why? So that we can deny ourselves, take up our cross daily, and follow Jesus and experience the joy, the peace, the contentment, all that he wants for us and be the light and the salt of Christ along the way. You have 24 hours in your day. Anybody else figured out how to have more? (laughs) That's all you got. We're all busy. We all got stuff to do all the time. But I can guarantee this. If you do not have regular appointments with God, where you are seeing him, you're hearing him, you're, you're surrendering to him, you're receiving instructions from him, you are not following him. Amen. And the only other option is to follow your own agenda and away from Christ. So I, what I would challenge you to do this week is to go to God and say, God, how do you want, with my personality, my, my schedule, how do you want me to spend time with you? What do you want me to do? Because it's his agenda. It's not mine. It's not even yours. It's his. Would you bow your heads? Lord, I pray that you would guide us this week onto your agenda more and more. As we look at the ways that you invited those men to follow you. Each one was different. Each one was individualized. And and so I pray that you would help us to hear your voice, to know how you want each one of us to lean into you, to follow you, to deny ourselves and take up our cross daily and follow you. Pray that you would help us to be an encouragement to one another. Pray that you would make us more and more your church, your people, your army, for your purposes. Lord, in this moment, we lean into you. Let your kingdom come in our lives, in our church, in our world, to this earth as it is in heaven. In Jesus' name, amen.